in varying degrees and in differing times, I think part of what it means to, to be a human being is to ask really big questions. Questions like, what's the purpose of life? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why am I alive or why did this happen at this time now and in this way? What does love mean and what's most important when it's all said and done anyway? And there are countless other questions like these, aren't there? I ask big questions both in good times and in bad, but some of the toughest questions I've asked and still sometimes asked generally come about when something happens that is simply awful or unfair or not cool, when people are hurt, when I make a dumb mistake, when I see cruelty happen, or when people with hard hearts seem to succeed in business, politics, or religious settings. The other day I was in my office and a really big question came to mind, and it's a question I've asked all my life, and while I won't share the specifics of what the question was, the first word of the question was, why? Why? And more often than not, why questions send me down rabbit holes that simply lead to more rabbit holes. And as I thought about the why question I asked in my office, I looked up at my bookcase and remembered a book written by Brennan Manning. That's not my bookcase, by the way. <laughs> Brennan was a priest at one point and a contemplative spirit, a writer and a speaker, and he tells the story of one day going to see his spiritual director because he was confused about something, and the spiritual director said to him, Brennan, you don't need more insights into your faith. You have enough insights to last you 300 years. The most urgent need you have is to trust what you've already received. Well, that quote hit me this week. I uh, said to myself, well, Robert, once again, you've just remembered something you need to keep in front and center in your walk with Jesus. All these books on my shelves are not going to help me trust what I already know. Knowledge is only going to take me so far. Now, to be clear, it is not only important, but vital and essential that we have deep knowledge about our faith. But knowledge is only just a slice of what our faith journey is about. If someone were to ask me what our faith is about, and I'm certainly not the first to say this, many have said it before me, but I'd say it's, at its core, our faith is about a relationship. A relationship with God. And over the years, it's become evident to me, as it's been clear to millions before me over the centuries, that to have a relationship with God that is transformative and life-changing means to have a relationship in which everything is out on the table. The good, the bad, and the really ugly. Our relationship with God is about loving, forgiving, asking questions, debating, challenging, doubting, wondering, struggling, Seeking guidance, asking for wisdom and direction, discerning, thanking, reverence, lack of reverence, emoting all feelings, laughing, crying, smiling, frowning, admitting, apologizing, truth-telling, and ranting, to name a few. 
but this is the stuff of what a relationship with God looks like. Otherwise, we're skimming across the surface. Asking where is this going? What should I do? How do I proceed? What happens next? Am I going to be okay? Why? Pleading. Asking something on behalf of others is what intimacy with God looks like. I believe God seeks 100% authentic, full engagement from you and from me, whatever that might look like for each of us in our unique way. In one of Brennan Manning's books, he tells the following story. He says, one day there was a fellow in India working with Mother Teresa's missionaries of charity the guy was there working with the dying because he was trying to figure out what on earth to do with his life it was a period of questioning and discerning and so one day he went to see mother Teresa, and she asked the fellow what can i do for you and his response please 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 pray for me pray that god gives me clarity clarity in my life what i should do next what i'm supposed to do Now, while I just shared a moment ago that such questions are part of what it means to have an intimate relationship with God, Mother Teresa replied in a somewhat surprising way. She understood, I believe, that that man at that moment in his life needed something more than clarity. She said to the man, I will not pray for clarity. I will pray that you trust God. Again, clarity and wanting it and sharing what we need with God is a good thing. But sometimes at various points, and certainly in my own faith journey, what I need, what we need, I believe, more than anything is straightforward trust. To trust while we don't have clarity, while we don't have certainty, while we don't have any sense of control. In my life, and I believe in yours, there are those poignant moments, slices in time in which trust is what is called for and what will help us the most. As I've thought about this, I'm reminded of the well-known story in the Bible, the book of Exodus. I used the story briefly this morning because many of you know and it fits at what I'm trying to get at. You remember the story. For over 400 years, the people of God have been slaves In a living hell in Egypt, things could not have been worse. It was the worst of times with no end in sight when Moses shows up. He tells the people it is his job under God's direction to lead them out of Egypt, across the desert, and into the promised land. The ruler of Egypt is not so sure. And it takes ten serious events or plagues to convince him to let the people go. And after Pharaoh allows the people of God to leave, they do so by entering a barren desert with little or no resources. And it's there that God guides Moses to lead the people day by day toward the promised land. God provides them with simple food and simple water and a daily path forward. All God asks is that the people trust God moment to moment, hour by hour, even though they do not know the details of what lies ahead or the specifics of what they're getting into. And it was during this time that the people in the desert sometimes 
simply stopped trusting God. And instead, they got mired in complaining and arguing and mistrusting one another, all of which led to a giant mess, the details of which I'll skip. And while I believe an intimate relationship with God includes the things I spoke of a moment ago, this story of the people in the desert is a great reminder that sometimes, sometimes for just a moment, in the midst of our angst and uncertainty and lack of clarity and wondering and wishing and anger and confusion and sadness and desire and control and understanding that sometimes God invites us at least just for a moment to sit and embrace straightforward trust even when it may not appear that there's any reason to do so. And I'm the first to tell you that such trust can be a really tough place to go to when things are turned upside down, pain is deep, and we ask ourselves, what the hell? Well, given all of this, let's take a look at some dimensions of the kind of trust I'm talking about. And here's some excerpts, again, from Brennan Manning with some adaptations. He writes, trust is the conviction that God wants us to unfold, grow, and to experience the fullness of life. However, this kind of trust is acquired gradually and most often through a series of crises and trials. And he goes on to write, beautifully I would say, trust is movement into obscurity, into the undefined, into ambiguity, not some predetermined, clearly delineated path for the future. Wow. That's precisely what the people of God struggled with in the desert. God asked them to trust in the midst of ambiguity rather than trying to grasp some clearly delineated path for their future. And is this not the challenge sometimes for each and every one of us here today? To trust God in those passages in which there is not a clearly delineated path for the future. Ultimately, trusting God is not about outcomes. Trusting God is trusting God regardless of what happens or is happening. And while this is what trust is about, this can be hard as hell, can't it? Which is why we need God's help and the help of a community to grow into such trust. I deeply appreciate what Manning writes about why trust is so challenging. He says, the ubiquitous presence of pain and suffering, unwanted and undeserved and not amenable to explanation or remedy, poses an enormous obstacle to an unfailing trust in God. How does one dare to propose the way of trust in the face of raw, undifferentiated heartache, cosmic disorder, and terror in history? In other words, as we all know, suffering more than understandably causes us to question whether God can be trusted 
And this is why Jesus looked at his followers and says to each one of us, in this life, you will have troubles. And Jesus was not being flippant. And he certainly as heck was not kidding. He was saying we will all have troubles. And we were asked by God to trust God in the midst of such troubles. Yet we are human beings, which is why it's vital to remember that God does not just call us to trust God, but to be willing to share everything with God, including our outrage, our anger, our upset, our statements of unfairness, disbelief, doubt, pain, hurt, and grief. This is why it's been said by some there can be no faith without doubt, no hope without anxiety, and no trust without worry. We are human beings, for goodness sake. So what is trust really about anyway? Well, here's some thoughts, and back to Brennan. I love what he writes here because I relate. My illusion of control is truly pathetic and hilarious. Deciding what I need most out of life. Carefully calculating my next move. Allowing my autonomous self to run amok, which inflates my sense of self-importance, reducing God to being a spectator on the sidelines. He writes, it is only prayer that prevents me from running for CEO of the universe. Which is why Henry Nouwen once said, our most arduous task. This is hard. That's why I wrote our most arduous task is that of giving up control and allowing the Spirit of God to lead our lives moment to moment. Don't you all just love giving up control? Going back to what I said earlier, this was in fact the key challenge facing the people of God as they wandered through the wilderness to trust God, to give God control, and to allow God to lead them day by day and moment by moment. Manning writes, trust comes down to this, faith in the person of Jesus and hope in his promise. It is about believing that Jesus truly said, you have my word on it. So what do we have Jesus' word on? A lot, but there are just a couple I want to mention. As we continue in this Easter season, part of what trusting is about is trusting that Jesus died and was bodily raised and promises each of us eternal life. Trust is embracing Easter and what that means for our lives as we live right now, as I spoke about last week. Trust is about counting on the fact that this life is only a tiny part of a journey with God and with each other. Our eternal life with God is now and will continue beyond this life. But trusting God first and foremost and most importantly, I believe, 
is embracing and living by the truth that love is what everything is ultimately about and where everything is leading. It's not about knowledge, it's about love. Love will prevail, love wins, love is our destination. All that is wrong will someday be transformed by love and one day through love and because of love we will understand everything that is beyond our comprehension now. Love is God and God is love as scripture says. And for this reason Manning writes this beautiful phrase, God loves us as we are and not as we should be because nobody is as they should be. Do you believe that? God loves you as you are and not as you should be. Because nobody is as they should be. So why the hell do we stop telling people how they shouldn't be if God loves them as they are? Do we believe this? Do we trust this? Do we fully take in what it means to be loved by God that way? And does such God love change your life? This love is central. It is the key and the core of what trusting God is about in the midst of our joys and living hells. Do we believe that because God loves us as we are and not as we should be, because nobody is as they should be, means that God has us covered, is in control even when it doesn't look like it, that God knows what God is doing, that all will be more than okay when it is all said and done, if not in certain circumstances in this life, then certainly in the next. Do we believe that love tells us that? Doesn't such love mean we can trust God down to our core? Because God is love and love prevails. And we can hopefully allow such love to release us from much right now. Manning writes in very adapted form. And this is so important. Trusting God now is about releasing shame. About letting go of regret and self-hatred and judgment and remorse and guilt and failings and preoccupation with past sins and present weaknesses and character defects and self-destructive ways. That's what the love of God is about. It's let that go. Be freed. And when we trust God, we move toward letting go of such things that hinder our love of God, hinder our love of other people, and tragically impede loving ourselves as God does. In this life and this journey of faith, when it comes to the good, the bad, and the ugly, when it comes to our relationship with God, let us keep loving, forgiving, asking questions, debating, challenging, doubting, wondering, struggling, seeking guidance, asking for wisdom and direction, discerning, thanking, being irreverent, reverent, emoting all feelings, laughing, crying, smiling, frowning, admitting, apologizing, truth-telling, and ranting. Let us keep asking God, where is this going? What should I do? Why is this happening? Do I, how do I proceed? Let's keep pleading on behalf of others. But I pray in the midst of this very short life that each of us will always remember 
to claw, struggle, and creep our way to just sit in the lap of God's unbounded, irreversible, unbreakable, eternal love of each of us. And that we will remember that sometimes what we need the most at any given moment may not be an answer or a library full of knowledge. But simply trust. Trust in the risen one whose spirit is within us, whose loving spirit we will never be separated from. And let us pray in silence for a few moments.